Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, My City Church. Who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? Got a great word for you today. Hope that you're ready and expected. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be in the house of God each and every week. So I pray that you would get a word from God for your situation, a word from God for wherever you're at in life. Whether this is your first time here or you've been coming here for years, I pray that God would speak to you today. If you have your Bible today, lift it up in the air. Let me see it. If your Bible's on your phone, that's fine too. Lift your phone up. Become using that. Great. All right, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. It's important to read your Bible. Read your Bible each and every day. God speaks through the Word of God. We only got a few verses we're going to be sharing with you today. But before we dive in, we, we are in the middle of our Church IC series, week four. How many of you guys have been enjoying the series so far? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I have been as well. I got a great word for you guys today. And uh, we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It starts with this. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. This is the last words of Jesus before he left planet Earth. Before he went up to heaven to intercede on our behalf to sit at the right hand of God, these are the last words that he told his disciples. He said these words. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many know if you're going to make a grand exit you probably want to go out with a bang. Jesus, though, went out with an empowering. And so it wasn't a big flash of light type thing. I mean, technically it was, you know. You know, he went away, disappeared in the clouds, and the angel said, why are you standing here? Therefore, you know, go. He, the same one that left will come back the same way. But he did with an empowerment, empowerment of his disciples to say, therefore, go. And today I have the great opportunity of being able to talk to you what I feel like this means for us and our church and everyone here in the room today. Uh, this is what I feel like God is speaking through this verse and what he has for the city of Omaha and even the, even the surrounding region. But today I'm going to be talking to you on this topic. So if you're taking notes in here, write this down. One more light. One more light. Let's pray today. God, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. It's sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. God, so I, I pray for every person in here today, whether the person that comes in this house, God, and has never read your word before. God, or maybe they've had a bad taste of your word before. God, I pray that it would, it would drip like honey, God, on their tongue. It would be sweet like honey, God. That they would be able to see you for who you really are. I pray against any kind of dogma or religious, religious belief that is not who you are, God. We pray that that would fall at your feet in the mighty name of Jesus, God. That they would see you, a true representation of who you are today, God. God, and as your church, we would be your people who are called by your name to make a difference for you here on planet earth, God. We thank you. And just right now, church, open up your hands and say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Put your hands together for the word of God this morning. It's going to be a good day. Last week was my birthday. And uh, if you were here, hey, fantastic being here each and every week. You're, you're two in a row, fantastic. But uh, I took a moment and I blew out those candles and I, I, I had a, reg, a revelation of how easy it was to blow out those candles. 
that it was just a little tiny puff. And today, right now, I have a, a, a Zippo lighter. This is a childhood of, of mine right here. <laughs> Zippo lighter. And I can light it so easily with just a pull of this, this little knob here, but I can blow it out with just a puff. It says windproof on the package. It says a windproof lighter. But I can just blow it out with just a puff. And here we have a lighter. There's, it's so vulnerable, yet so powerful. Th this little thing, although it can get blown out with just a puff, has the power and potential to burn this whole place down. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it has the potential to burn millions of acres of forests and trees and parks and buildings and houses. So how does something so small yet hold so much potential? What does that mean for, for our lives? That I look at this as that this lighter, this light right here is like our life. And that when we are saved, we get a little, we get a little something setting off in our hearts. I was trying to close it, and it wasn't closing, <laughs> and I didn't want to drop it. Because they, don't get, they don't put out when you drop it. But what I found is that it's, it lights so easily. It can get put out so fast. And I look at this light as our lives, that when we accept Jesus into our hearts, we have a little light that's lit inside of us, that it's like, wow, I've encountered God. He's changed my life. And I look at this little flame. How do we protect this flame? How do I protect the flame that God has put in my life? As a Christian, I think it's important for us to understand what we're supposed to do with this flame that God has given us. I think it's important for us to understand what is my role as a believer in the house of God? What is my role as a person that chooses to follow Christ? What am I called to do beyond just coming to church on a Sunday? And I've said it and I've communicated it this way. A few weeks ago, we talked about these two things that we're called to be as a church. We exist for the lost to be saved and the saved to be discipled. That's what we exist for, is for the lost to be saved and the saved to be discipled. But what does that look like? What are some tangible things that if I'm coming to the house of God, let me tell you, no matter who you are in this room, whether this is your first time and you're saying, hey, I'm just, you know, someone just kind of tricked me to come to church today. They said, uh, hey, I'm dedicating my child. You, you just need to come to church and be there to support us or anything of that sort. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. And, and whoever you are and wherever you're at, you are one of these two. You fall into one of these two categories, whether the lost to be saved or the saved to be discipled. As a church, this is as simple as it needs to be. And I, what I know is that God speaks through simple. That many times we want to get and we want to talk about the complexities and the revelations of, of God and all these deep intricacies of who he is and what he's done. But what I found is that God speaks through simple. That we exist for two reasons. We exist for those that do not know God to know God. So now wherever you are, let me tell you, if you feel like you've arrived in knowing God, you have yet to arrive because it's impossible for us and our finite being to understand and contemplate an infinite person. It's impossible. And if we could, then that would not make him God. So wherever you are at in life, you either do not know God or you are on the journey of knowing God. Whether you've turned away from God, walked away from him, or you've never even asked him into your heart, you never even decided to follow him, that's okay. That's where, that's where all of us were there at one point. And the worst place we can get as believers is start to differentiate ourselves from people that know God to people that don't know God. 
Can I tell you, you used to be there at one point. We all used to be there at one point. This person with a mic is no different. I used to be walking away from God, not walking in anything that God had for me, selfish desires, selfish ambitions, all the while winding up empty in all of my pursuits in life. And no matter where you are in life, can I tell you, you will always end up empty outside of the purposes of God. You will always end up empty outside of the purposes of God, outside of knowing God, outside of following God, outside of seeking God. And it's meant to be that way because the eye of a man is never satisfied. You are never satisfied with what this world can bring. That's why Jesus came. Because there's a void inside each and every one of our hearts that can only be filled by him. There's a purpose inside each and every one of us that can only be fulfilled by him. So as a church, we are going to be the type of church that exists to glorify him and to reach them. Them are who we were. And you know what? I almost put it to the point is them is who we are. Because I have my bad days too. And if you think you don't have your bad days, I question if you know what it really means to be holy. Because I can tell you there's some times that my brain goes places that I'm like, where did that come from? And all the parents in here said amen. <laughs> in our lives, we got to not ever differentiate between them and us because we are them. So we exist to glorify him and to reach them. And we were talking about just a few weeks ago about the four G's of what I see within church. And if you haven't written them down, now would be a good time to write them down. But as a church, this is what I see us when we're talking about the lost to be saved and the saved to be discipled. This is what I look at it as being to be discipled. If you're going to be in the house of God, these are your first steps in what it looks like to be discipled. And everyone's on a different journey. But if you're always wondering, hey, how can I become a disciple here in the house of God? How do I be a disciple? Well, this is where you start. Right here. Gather. Keep gathering. Keep coming on Sundays. Each and every week. Hey, if at the very least, just keep on coming back. Because what I found is that God starts to plant seeds in our hearts, seeds in our, in our spirits that start to grow. And as that grows, it starts to produce fruit. And so that, wherever you're at, that's where you can start. Just keep on gathering. But you can also keep growing. How do I grow? Well, you get a part of a group. We had a fantastic group week last week. I hope whoever was in, I, man, it was a fantastic. I heard some groups had steaks on Friday night. Everyone's like, whose group is that? <laughs> I want to be a part of that group. There's all sorts of different groups and people for you to get plugged in here at my city. But if you're going to continue in your growing journey and your discipleship journey, you got to be reading your Bible, be praying, be worshiping. Throw some worship music on the car. Don't always just listen to 1110 KFAB. You know, I mean, they're great. And Ian Swanson's fantastic. But I got to be able, if I'm always surrounded by what I hear, it starts to shape my mindset and my heart. And what I found is that if I go through life and I'm never getting filled with the Spirit, the world starts to compress around me. How, how greater is The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if I don't ever intake Jesus into my life, the world is going to compress around me. And it's not going to be long before I feel like I'm getting destroyed. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with, with Christ right now, but... Let me tell you, as long as you are not being filled by him, you will always be emptied by the world. So the world will always take from you. The world is always there to take. But Christ said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. The world is always going to try to take. And if you ever feel empty, ask where are you getting filled? 
Because if you're getting filled by the world, you're not even getting filled. I hate to, hate to break it to you, but you're actually, the world's taken from you. And what I've seen, though, is as in church, you know, we talk about give, uh, gathering, growing, and then giving. That's giving of all, giving all sorts of different things. Our times, our talents, our resources. The Bible says that they gave of themselves and no one was in need. As a church, we look to make it be that way. So as a church, we give to each other. We give to the purposes of God and this house of God. But also your gifting, that's that unique thing that God has placed in your heart, in your body, to make the church reach its full potential. Because we can't have a whole bunch of the same people here at the church. We can't have a whole bunch of, the Bible talks about the, the parts of the body represent the body of Christ, which is his church. So different people are hands, different people are feet, and different people are eyes, noses. They all come together to create the body of Christ. And so what is your unique contribution to make the church live to its fullest potential? But what I've seen in church is that we've gone through all these and we get enamored with this. We get enamored with, okay, I'm saved, now what? Well, let me give you all these classes, let me give you all these things. Okay, hey, you profess Jesus as your savior and you're wanting to follow him, so let me give you all these things that you need to do. So, okay, if you're a Christian, then you know what? You need to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to be at church every week, you need to be in your group, you need to give, you need it, and if you see it that way, understand my heart today that that is not my heart. That is a calling that is a part of each and every one of us. That when you've encountered Christ, there is something that draws you to go closer to him, to follow him more. Because when he's changed your life, there's a response in us that says, I am going to follow you. Because I know where I was, and I know I, I came up empty time and time again without you. That's a response. But what I found as Christians is that we can get stuck in that response. We can get stuck is that, what does the church have for me? The church exists for me. And if we stay in that, if we stay in that, we miss half the reason why Jesus came. Because it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, but also to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we say love God, love people, lead in life. Because I'm a person that I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. But what I found is that we, always, we look at it from a lens as, well, I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, strength, and my that I have, but my neighbor only if they love me. Because I'm saved now, and I'm, I'm sanctified, and I'm turned, and I'm following Jesus, but them, oh, man, the world. The world is, I, I, I get surrounded by Christians, and we'll talk about the world as if we're expecting something greater from the world. And the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I just can't wait till Jesus comes back. Oh, Jesus, just take me now. I'm saved, just take me now. Tell you what, if salvation was the only thing that Jesus had for you was to get to heaven, then the moment you accepted him, you'd die. You'd fall, you'd, you'd, Jesus, I love you, and I'm, Anyone else wanna accept Jesus? Because <laughs> if that's why Jesus existed, but there's something more powerful to be said that the moment you accept Jesus into your heart that he leaves you here, to show you that his grace is sufficient for you here and that he has a purpose for you here right now means that the moment you accept Jesus, that means there's more work to be done. I accepted Jesus, now what? Well, I'm here to glorify him. We are here to glorify him and we are here to reach them. Who in your life does not know Jesus yet? That should be a natural response, but what I found is that as a church, we get diluted in our approach to the gospel, the true gospel, 
And the true gospel is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So to understand that, I'm also here to reach them. I have to understand Jesus' mission. And Jesus' mission was also to reach the lost, the broken, the hurting. And we pick this up in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus is saying these words. He's, he's, been talking to, he's been talking to many different scribes and Pharisees. And he sums it all with this. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That was the mission of Jesus. Yes, he came to testify to the truth, but this is the truth, that without God, you are always gonna turn up empty. Without God in your life, you will always live your life purposeless. You will always turn up empty. So he came to seek and save that was lost. Luke 7, 34 Jesus is being, basically, he's being critiqued as being a man that is, that is not sent from God. And he's speaking to a few other religious scribes and, and Pharisees, and he says this. He says, the son of man came, eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We're going to leave this up for a little bit. Can I tell you that our natural response from church is to stay away from things that represent sin, our natural response is to stay away. And it's good. Be holy for I am holy. But we are still in the world. We are still surrounded by people each and every day. How do I drive my car and accidentally cut someone off and they flip me off, they give me the bird? I mean, I'm being exposed to sin right then and there. I will never be able to be separated from sin. But at the same time, we're not called to just go around the world and just call and, and calling things that are... Our approach to sin has to be more grace-filled because I expect nothing from the world but sin. So if I go around the world and I say, oh, man, abortion is such a big problem right now. We got to get legislation and we got to get all these things figured out because we got we to be able to limit abortion. And don't get me wrong, that's a great cause. But what you're treating is a symptom of the disease. And the disease is a lack of Jesus. A disease is not knowing the love and the heart of Jesus. Well, we gotta go through and we gotta fix all these things. Who's your savior, politicians or Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong. We have a part to play as Christians. We should be voting. We should be active. We should be active in this public square and be able to call evil, evil, and good, good. But at the same time, it doesn't do any good to go around, go around with something like this. We just go around with an air horn and say, sin! That didn't work. Sin! Sin! <laughs> Boobs! <laughs> Not appropriate dress wear! <laughs> Too much cleavage! <laughs> Sorry if I'm starting to annoy you by now. <laughs> it's starting to get annoying, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus came eating and drinking. And the religious people said, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Can I tell you that the answer of the church isn't always just to go out and call these people sinners and wrong, but it's learning to sit down with them. It's learning to talk with them. It's learning to sit down. Hey, let's go get a meal together. Hey, let's go get some coffee together. Can I tell you, it is not, now you gotta understand your limits. You gotta understand your weaknesses. 
it would not be advisable for a person that is a, that is a sober, that is three years sober, that had an alcohol problem to go and minister to people at a bar. You gotta understand what God has called you to, and I wouldn't go alone if I were you. If you feel like you're supposed to go, I wouldn't go alone. But it's not wrong to go and talk to an unbeliever at a bar. It's not wrong to go and talk to an unsaved person at a movie theater. We have the same classification as a bar. I mean, a movie theater has all sorts of provo provocati provocati <laughs> provocative things shown on the screen. As a church, we're called to sit down with them. We're called to eat with them. And so Jesus, what he did is he sat down with a tax collector named Levi. He sat down with him. And Levi, Levi is also Matthew. Matthew wrote the first gospel in the New Testament. What it is is that Jesus saw potential in a sinner of what everyone else wrote off. Jesus selected. We can't be the type of church that writes off what Jesus selects. We can't be the type of church, we won't be the type of church that throws to the pigs, throws to the side what Jesus has selected. And as a church, we need to be the type of people that see them for who they can be and who Christ can be in them, not for who they are, because that's who I was. And Jesus said in response to people, how dare you, Jesus, sit down with a tax collector? Don't you know this man is a sinner? And Jesus responds in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. He says this. He said, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And can I tell you, we are all that last word. We are all sinners. The moment you think you are righteous enough that you don't need Jesus, you know why he didn't come for the righteous? Because without Jesus, not a single one of us is righteous. In man's perspective, though, I've done all these things, but in God's perspective, we all fall short. Jesus came for sinners of whom I am the worst. And it's being able to see the severity of your sin that opens up your heart to receive God's grace. It's being able to see what I've done and how it's hurt God and how it's been walking away from God that opens up my heart to receive what Jesus has for me. As a church, what we need to be careful against is posting up on Sundays and just telling the world, hey, come to us. We got good music. We got coffee. Everyone likes a cup of joe. Hey, come to us. So I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to uh, blast a bunch of things on social media or send out a bunch of texts, and it, which, that, which is all good. It's all good, but when it comes down to actually meeting with someone, well, I can't, you know, I mean, you don't go to church, and I think every other word that you say out of your mouth is the F-bomb. <laughs> Anyone ever work construction in here? It's like, how do you even talk to someone in construction, you know? I got to be able to sit with someone and talk with them. I can't just post up on Sundays saying, come to us. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost, which means that there's a seeking to be had a seeking that takes place. Who are you seeking? Because that's why Jesus came. So are you also getting a part of his mission? Are you getting a part of his mission, which is to seek and save the lost? How did he do it? He sat down and he talked with them. He ate with them. He drank with them. He was with them. We can't be so good that we just, as a Christians, we huddle together for our thing, just waiting and praying for Jesus to come back, that we miss the reason why we're here. The story in the Bible, it talks about the story of, of the lost sheep. You know, there, there's 99 sheep that, that, that are in a pasture, and one runs off, 
And the shepherd goes off and he finds this sheep and he brings it back and he says, guys, I found the lost sheep. And all of the other shepherds are celebrating and rejoicing. Wow, the one that was lost is now found. But within that context, there's another story of a lost coin. And we're going to pretend that this wasn't a quarter, but that this was a Bitcoin. That way it has a little bit more <laughs> relevance to us today. I know Bitcoin's digital. It doesn't really matter. It's a joke. So <laughs> we're going to act like this is a Bitcoin that this person lost. $50,000. They are flipping it, and they lost, and it rolled down. And, ah, oh, I lost my Bitcoin. Will that person not tear apart the house to find the SSD driver, the little drive of which the Bitcoin is on? If that's how you store your Cryptocurrency, it's up to you. <laughs> Will that person not tear apart their house to find that coin? And now here's the beautiful thing about that coin is that coin has value. And just because it's lost doesn't mean it lost its value. Every believer, every unbeliever, whether you're lost or found, just because they're lost does not mean that you've lost your value. If you feel lost, just because you're lost doesn't mean that you've lost your value. Because the moment that it is found, it is still worth the same amount as it was when it was lost. And as the people of God, that's the mission of God. We're not here just to save, but to seek. We're here to seek the people that do not yet know God. We're here to follow after the people that do not yet know God. But what I found is that as a church, the longer we go to church, the further away from this that we get. The more comfortable that we get. The more comfortable that we get. Well, you know what? I've tried talking to that person. I already tried being a witness. Or I've tried, you know, seeking and saving the lost or sitting down. I would question. I would say if we do not know people. If, you, if I say, do you know someone that doesn't know Jesus? And you have to think about it. Then you're not living the mission of Jesus. Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Well, do you know what? There's a person I'm actively pursuing right now. I'm praying for them. I'm reaching out to them. And you know what? Until they tell me not to, until they file that restraining order, I'm going to keep inviting them. <laughs> because there's someone that God put on your heart for a reason. Don't give up on them. And Jesus hasn't given up on them. So don't you quit. Keep praying. Keep chasing the one. Keep going after the person that God put on your heart. And watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. See, understand that to hide in thinking that we're just going to achieve the greatest potential that God has for us here is the greatest trap that a Christian can fall into. That we don't need to find our mission. We need to join his. We need to be a part of Jesus' mission, and that was to seek and to save the lost. I know this because I know my life was changed in a moment. In my darkest moment, Jesus came and he saved me. And I know that there's still people that are going through things in life. Can I tell you that God saved you and he wants to use your story? And I think of several times, just a few times within the Bible, where God used someone's story as a testimony to be a witness to someone that had not yet known him. I think of a man, he was blind from the, the day he was born, he was blind. And he was begging, begging. And the, the disciples walked by and they said, Jesus, who sinned? that this man was born blind, his father or him, his mother or him. Can I tell you, as Christians, it's not our business to always find out why something has happened. Jesus doesn't even say anything. He says, neither. Neither. What this is, is so that the, the, Jesus Christ can be glorified through this. 
Can I tell you, it's not always our business to think back of why something happened. It's not, but it's what is Jesus doing right here, right now. So if we look at COVID, we could try to go through and we could try to explain, well, this is God's judgment on the world. Could be. Does that help? <laughs> well, this is, this is how I see it. If God was gonna bring revival in other people's lives, what else would it look like? Everything going great? They don't realize their need for him? Fulfillment, purpose, prosperity? Now, I'm not saying God brings bad things. I'm saying God can use them to glorify him. So if people's lives were gonna turn to him, there has to be a level where they realize, you know the two biggest Google search weeks on churches nearby and uh, what is the true religion was during 9-11 and the week that the government shut everything down. Can I tell you that God is drawing people and he's looking for a people that will carry revival in them. And I think of this man who was blind and they're trying to just come up with excuses and Jesus is like, do you not see the opportunity here? right here, right now, that is taking place. So Jesus spits in some mud, so if you imagine if you're a blind man, all you can really do is hear. So Jesus spits in some mud to, to put mud on, and I mean, if you could imagine if you're the blind man hearing these sounds, and then just feeling this stuff rubbed on your eyes, you're like, what the? And then he says, hey, it's all cool. Hey, go, wa go, wash, go wash it off in that pool. Okay. And so this man, he goes, he washes in the pool of Shalom, and, 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 and what happens is that he's, he's able to see. And if you could imagine being 30 years old, 40 years old, 20 years old, however old he was, the Bible doesn't tell us, but living in your dysfunction and your, and your, 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 your lack for so long, only to be set free from something you never thought you would be set free from, creates a response in your heart, a natural response. And these people start to question. Let's pick it up in uh, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, 8, people are questioning. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, 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 I'm him. My life was touched by Jesus. Can I tell you, when your life is touched by Jesus, people that really know you will be like, ah, I don't know if that's him anymore. He's just different. Is that the same guy? Yes, Jesus touched my life. Jesus healed me. Jesus restored me. He gave me a purpose, a life, a mission, a vision. Next verse. How then were your eyes open? They're asking him. They demanded, apparently. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. You know what? I didn't believe it because he hawked a loogie and then he put it on my eyes. Then he told me to wash in the pool and now I can see. He told me to go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. I encountered God. I encountered God. He just said, go to church. My friend just said, go to church. My friend just took a moment to talk with me. And I didn't encounter my friend. I encountered Jesus in them. And he said, go to the pool. And now I could see. They keep interrogating him. They keep trying to figure out, well, how were you able to see? What'd you do? Who was this man? He talks, well, he was a prophet. You know, he was this. He was that. And then they ask him again. A second time they ask him. Who had been blind. They said, nah, give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner, he replied. And this is the man that was blind, said this. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
And what I see is a church that we don't need to have all the, know the, all the complexities and the intricacies of who God is. And we don't need to go through all the classes. We don't need to go through all the, the things in life to say like, well, how do I answer the atheist? How do I talk about evolution? How do I talk about politics? How do I talk about all this? You know what you need to talk about? Is what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Because what he says is, I don't know. You know what, I don't know all that. But what I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So as a church, what is our response to what Jesus has done in our lives? I don't know, I was strung out on drugs and Jesus showed up. I was doing this and Jesus showed up. Yeah, you know what, we could talk about that and that's good, but knowledge puffs up, spirit empowers. Spirit transforms. And I'm not being a church that's saying, oh, forsake all that. No, it's important. It's good. It's good to continue your discipleship journey and to know Christ and to see Christ and to belong and to follow Christ. But don't forget what Christ did in your life. He says, I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. Verse 27. I told you already. And you did not listen. They're asking him again. <laughs> People are going to keep asking if Jesus got a hold of your life. He says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Because if people want to keep asking what Jesus in your life, this guy didn't go through the, all the classes. He didn't go through all the steps of what it means to be a believer. But he uses the word disciples too. Because the moment you choose to follow Jesus... You are becoming and you are his disciple. It's not this checklist and this box that you all have to go after and this is the thing, this is what it means to be a real believer. But this man's life was, he, he had a flame that was lit inside of him. He had a flame that was lit inside of him. We're gonna fast forward, we're gonna go to Mark. Mark chapter two, Mark chapter five. That was a disciple, that was a man, that was a Jew that was set free. We know the story of the woman at the well. The woman at the well, she dropped her water bucket and she ran. Jesus didn't stop her from telling everyone about him. She said, tell me about a man who did and showed me everything I ever did. In Samaria, the city was up, turned upside down by a woman's testimony. She was a Samaritan. That man was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. But now we have the story of a Gentile. Gentiles, tell you what, at that time, Jesus didn't want a bunch of, of Gentiles following around. They would have they would have, dis, they would have dis, destroyed basically the perception of people and they wouldn't have received him. But he still had a heart for them. This was a man who was a Gentile and you can stand to your feet and I'm closing. And I wanna close with this story. It says that as Jesus was getting into the boat, so what he did is he went across the sea towards Gentile land and he set a person that was demon possessed free. He set this man free. Long story short, this is the same time when the storm's coming across the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on water. And they go to this place. Jesus casts the demon out of the man. The demon goes into the pigs, goes off, and the man is set free. This is the same story where, where the demon responds, I, I am legion, for we are many. And Jesus sets this man free. Tell you what, Jesus will move heaven and earth to find you. God, Jesus will do whatever it takes to find you even if it goes against cultural norms. So here he is, he's going to a place, a Gentile place. The, the, the Jews didn't even associate with Gentiles. And he casts this demon out of this man, and this is the man's response. He was getting to, Jesus was getting to the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, let me go with you. That's our response when Jesus transforms our lives, and it should be. 
to follow him all the days of our lives. But this is Jesus' response. But he said, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he had mercy on you. What I find is we have this, we have this flame that was lit in our lives. And as Christians, our natural tendency is just to try to protect it. I try to protect this flame. And if we keep trying to protect the flame, eventually you're gonna snuff it out. But what I see in this flame is I can light it. And if I light it, it'll only be as big as it ever is. And it's susceptible to being blown out. So in your life, if you feel like you're being susceptible to be blown out, the best thing you can do to protect this flame is to light something else on fire. The best thing you can do for this flame, tell you what, all it takes is to find something that's dry, something that's hopeless. If you feel like, I don't get it, we just go to church every Sunday. Well, tell you what, when you see someone's life transformed, that'll motivate you each and every week. You know what? I'm not going to church for me. I'm not just going to church for me to encounter God. But I got three friends. I got three friends that need to encounter God. I got a man who's paralyzed, and I got to get him to Jesus. But the crowd is in the way. But I got to get him to Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rip off that roof. I'm going to tear off that roof, and I'm going to bring him to Jesus. I see a church that answers that question. Who is close to you but far from God? Who is close to you but far from God? That's the type of church that we are going to be. That is the type of people that we are going to be. So the person that God has put on your heart right now, I want you to speak it out of your mouth today. Speak it out of your mouth that today, today is the day that God is going to bring them home. God is going to use you to bring them home. God is going to empower you to reach them. God is going to empower you to be a difference in their lives that they can see Jesus for who he is. Christ is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in the suffering, then I'll join you Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.